onset of starlight from flashbangs and frag grenades by Calchaxis read by Sam Gabriel based on League of Legends by Riot Games Chapter 11 Forge of Lies Things were simpler in the forge. For Jace Talus, who had always yearned for greater things, it was quietly ironic that he found himself so often retreating to the forges of his house of late, where things were smaller, where he was once again in control. But that was, truthfully, a lie. He had never been in control, not of his life, nor his fate, nor anything else but the metal under his hands. That had always been the case, and it was tragic that he was only now starting to realize the truth of the matter. Metal rang upon metal as he hammered the heated ingots into shape. It would be a part of the whole, a piece of a new invention he had been working on. For now, he sought to complete it more because he had nothing else driving him. Nothing he wanted to think about, anyway. The pieces would be forged, they would fit together, and the machine would, eventually, work. Barring some trial and error, obviously, nothing worked perfectly the first time, or if it did, it was a fluke and could not be relied upon to be repeated. That was something that his mentor had taught him before Jace had betrayed him. A faint breeze crossed his bare back, and a shiver went down his spine as Jace looked up from his work. The window was open. He had closed it, he was sure of it. What do you want? Jace asked the darkness. From the shadows. A tall, slender blade of steel stepped forward. She was not beautiful, precisely, not so much as she was austere and graceful. There was a beauty to Camille Ferris, but it was a cold metal thing that Jace had no liking for. To discuss the mishandling of the Arcturus, Camille said. You're the one who put them in Jinx's crosshairs, not me. Jace said. You want to talk about mishandling? Let's talk about the spire Jinx knocked over, the ship she blew up, and all the lives that were lost because your plan failed. Her finger ticked out a faint tattoo against his work desk as she walked past it. You're not wrong. There's something happening that even I did not see. My agents are coming on, but it is a wide, Empty and hateful place. I've already lost two of them, and I'm not even sure what killed them, although I have my suspicions. You have yet to answer my question, Camille, Jace said, finally setting down his tools and turning to face her. What do you want? I want you to retrieve the Arcturagar, she said. Seraphine? Jace frowned. That ship has sailed. The Council outvoted me at every turn to investigate Glask. Too much of their money is sunk into her stocks. I'm handling that, Camille said with a faint smile. You should have handled it before Seraphine signed a contract with that sociopathic chemwitch, Chase snapped. I wanted to get her parents back, or at least avenge them, but no. The Council was far too worried about their pocketbooks to risk it for a couple of stray immigrants. Camille nodded as she continued to stalk around his workroom with that eerie silence. Her steps were punctuated only by the faint ticking of her bladed legs, 
and it reminded him of nothing so much as the sound a great metal spider might make. Seraphine was, and is, a liability, Camille said. But she is a popular one. There are rumblings of discontent throughout the populace. All the more reason we should have taken her seriously back then, but as I said, yes, yes, the sins of avarice and all that, I heard you, Camille replied. My point, Jace said slowly, is that you are too late. Camille chuckled as she turned to face him, hooked her hands behind her back, and walked up to him. Jace had never been a small man. His mother had always referred to him as strapping, which he supposed was fair. He had the broad build of someone who had spent more time than not in front of a furnace and anvil, and he was proud of his physique. Despite his stature, Camille towered over him. I have remained in the shadows until now because that was my promise, Camille said. I made that promise to the man that you ousted from the council, and despite that, I have remained loyal and faithful to that oath. I step out only now because of the council's gross mishandling of the Zorn situation, Councillor Tannis. So do not mistake me. I'm here to clean up your mess, and believe me, it will get messier before the end. You made things worse, Jace hissed. I attempt to triage, Camille said. I attempted the least disruptive path of correction, and it failed. I grieve for that. Now it is clear that there is no least disruptive path anymore. Now we must correct things by falls. She reached past him and took up his hammer, testing its weight in her hands. It is no longer a matter of replacing a single faulty part. Now the machine of progress must be dismantled and rebuilt. And if you do not have the stomach to see the fluids upon which that machine runs... She met his gaze with her cold, iron eyes. Then might I suggest that you step... down. I will not allow you to destroy this city, Chase said. Camille snorted softly and shook her head. Again you mistake me, she said. I'm trying to save this city from your gross negligence, Counselor. Zorn is an infection that ought to have been burnt out long ago, and I will ensure that happens. The Council will never let you. House Farrah subsidiaries have already offered generous stock options and packages to the councillors to allow them to diversify their interests away from Glask, Camille said. You will find them significantly more amiable to the concept of pursuing her tomorrow. I'm not your lackey, Jace snarled. No, Camille said. My lackeys are far more competent. You're a necessary, she handed him back his hammer, blunt instrument. Now, you will pursue Seraphine into Zorn, and you will offer her whatever you must in order to draw her back to Pilter. For promise as much as you have to, my house will guarantee a blank check to that extent. 
If you betray her again, Camille waved off his concern, I promised a blank check. And that means I intend to honor whatever promise you make, however outlandish. Just get her out of Zon. Or what? Sighing, Camille massaged the bridge of her nose. I understand that you are a hammer, Counselor Tanis, and so everything that is not a nail tends to confound you, so let me be blunt. She lowered her hand and fixed him with a glare. Either you will remove her from Zon, or I will. Are we clear? Jace clenched his jaw, then nodded. Crystal. Good boy, Camille said. Now I'll leave you to your tinkering, and I wish you a very good evening. Good evening, Miss Ferris, Jace replied tightly. She left out of the main doors of his forge, but he had no doubt that she would exit his home without being seen. Camille had a way about her, a kind of looming stealth. It was deeply unsettling, and more than ever he wished he could go back to the days when it had just been him and Victor in the lab, before Victor's atrocities, before his desperation overcame him. The worst part was that Jace couldn't even strictly blame him. What else could he have done? The things that man will do when faced with their own inevitable mortality could be horrifying, no one had the right to ask someone to simply lie down and die. That was anathema, both to the ethos of Piltover and to mortal nature in and of itself. Victor had done terrible things to survive. He had continued to do terrible things afterwards. Perhaps Camille had a point. Maybe Zon was an infection, or maybe it was Piltover that was infected. Either way, it no longer mattered. The golden ideals of his youth— had long since proved to be little more than tarnished brass. For all his progress, for all of his inventions and all of his great works, Jace was beginning to grasp how very little good his greatness had achieved. But perhaps this time he could, he could do good, just this once. Before that, though, he needed advice. It was so early in the morning that the dawn had yet to come when Jace reached the workshop on the edges of Piltover. It was small, considering who owned it. Not near anything important, either. Perhaps that was by intent. No, that was certainly by intent. He had gone alone in secret. Had the security details of the council discovered he had slipped away from them, Jace was certain they would have gone into a fit. That tickled him more than anything nowadays. He understood their reticence, considering how little the other council members could look after themselves, but it wasn't as though he were helpless. He wasn't just a councillor, after all. He was a champion of the League. The League was one of the greatest questions burning in his mind. Could the League be their salvation? Perhaps. The League had already outvoted him on the militarization of the Enforcers, and the next step to that was, obviously, using said military. Gods, poor Caitlin. He had tried, though. He had tried to preserve her authority, but now, knowing what he did about Camille's influence, it became clear that the de facto head of Clan Ferris was long since done with allowing Caitlin Kiriman to influence the political organ of Piltover, and had taken steps to curtail her. He made a mental note to talk to her. This silent demotion was a warning to back off on her reforms, and Jace had no doubt that if Caitlin continued to press the issue— 
Camille would see to it that she was deemed another liability to the great machine of progress. Things were spiraling out of control, and more than ever he needed help. He needed advice. The lights were still on in the workshop, which didn't surprise him. Jace himself had lost count of the number of times he worked through late nights and into the early mornings. It was the nature of the scientist and the engineer to be consumed with their endeavors. So he waited, and waited, then chuckled and knocked again and louder this time, and the sound of something popping and fizzling came from the other side of the door, followed by the tottering of small footsteps. The door opened to reveal the furry and slightly sooty face of Jace's old, cherished mentor. Professor Heimerdinger, Jace said. Jace, my boy, Heimerdinger said cheerily. Come in, come in. I wasn't expecting visitors at this hour. Assuming it's still... It's late. Or early, as the case may be, Jace said apologetically. I'm sorry if I'm intruding. Not at all, Heimerdinger said, all but hopping back away from the door. Jace had to stoop to enter his old mentor's workshop. Since the tragedy of the council and the subsequent chaos that followed, Heimerdinger had settled down after a fashion. He had not quite stooped to becoming a recluse, and the council security still looked in on him now and again, but for the most part, they left the old man to his tinkering and to his occasional bouts on the rift, where he could test his newest designs without fear of repercussions. It was a matter of enjoyment now. He could devise all manner of terrible, war-making weaponry, and it would never spill a drop of real blood. As for the designs, Jace happens to know that Heimerdinger never wrote anything down anymore. Nothing could be stolen or used to create another system of weaponry the way that Jace's own hex gems had. Tea or coffee? Heimerdinger offered. Tea, please, Jace said as he followed Heimerdinger through the foyer and into a sitting room that would have been quite spacious if one were a yordle. As it was, Jace had to find space in a corner and sit down adjacent to the table. The air outside was cold, as it often was. No matter the season, Piltover's nearness to the ocean meant that the nights often grew quite cold. It was warm here, though. There was heat flowing up from vents on the floor, just enough heat to remain comfortable. "'Well, then, tell me why you're here, my boy,' Heimerdinger said as he tottered back in with a plate of tea along with a plate piled high with some kind of sweet cakes. Jace accepted the offered cup and a cake along with it, and sipped at the tea. It was sharp and bitter, but good, and he savored it before lowering the cup from his lips, looking at Heimerdinger and asking, "'What can you tell me about Camille Ferris?' Heimerdinger was silent for a long moment after his question. He sipped at his tea and nibbled at a cake, but eventually he put both down and looked at Jace with those sad eyes that had seen far, far too much suffering." "'Camille was not always the woman you undoubtedly know now,' he said. "'When I first met her some sixty years ago, she was a fiery, passionate, and brilliant young intelligentsia of Piltoven society.' "'She told me that she made a promise to you,' Jace said. "'Yes,' Hammerdinger replied. "'But that requires some context.' "'I've got all night,' Jace replied. Hammerdinger chuckled wanly but nodded. You know, of course, that the fundamental foundations of Piltover are built upon the ethos, the guiding light by which we judge our actions, that all things be for the good of all, and be done with ethical and present-minded progress, to not overreach, to have patience, but to never cease learning for all of that. Yes, I did graduate from the university, Professor. I remember the ethos, Jace replied. 
The students of the university were subjected to the many tenets of the ethos in every aspect of their scientific processes. Every experiment, every theory, and every single thesis was subjected to a rigorous application of the ethos. Well, almost every experiment. Camille's parents were murdered by undercity assassins, and we never did discover who was to blame, Heimerdinger said. And after that was when she came to me with a proposition. That the ethos was incomplete. Incomplete, Jace echoed. How so? Well, she made quite a good number of arguments, actually, Hammeringer said. For what? For a companion to the ethos. The elderly yordle set his cup down and threaded his fingers together. Understand that, at the time, I trusted her judgment, and if she were still the same woman, I would still trust it. But I fear that Camille Ferris is long dead that the cold metal heart in her chest no longer bears any resemblance to the woman I knew. But what are you talking about? What companion? Jace pressed. Heimerdinger made a quiet hum in the back of his throat. Camille argued that the ethos only functioned so long as it was willfully applied, and that there would always be those who would seek to evade it, not simply fail to apply it as you did with your Hextech experiment. I suppose that's a, a fair assessment on both sides, Chase said. That was a problem, of course, and I admit it as such, he continued. The ethos, by its very nature, could not account for those who sought to subvert it, and therefore Camille posited that the ethics of the ethos required willful thought, or, put another way, it required a logos. Chase sat up as a chill went down his spine. Professor, that sounds almost like a... an organization? he said, and Jace nodded. Because it is. Logos functions as the background process of Piltover. Camille is not just an intelligence contractor. She is the head of Logos. A shadow organization operating within the beating heart of Piltover. Suddenly everything made much more sense, and Jace hated it. He swallowed convulsively several times before finally looking up at Heimerdinger with a sickening anger in the pit of his stomach. So all this time it was just a lie? Chase asked. The ethos. The better nature of mortal kind. It was all just lies. Because in the end we still have our own illuminators. Are we really no different from Demacia or Noxus? Of course we are, my boy. Heimerdinger said plaintively. I would never have agreed to such a thing. No, that was the nature of the promise. What was it? I agreed with all of Camille's positions in the theoretical, Heimerdinger continued, but I posited my own counter-argument that no organization which exists in the shadows of public transparency can act with trustworthy motive, and therefore the entire argument was academic. And she... what? Did it anyway? Chase asked. No, that was when she made a promise that she would never directly act upon the interests of Piltover. The Logos was intended to be the logic and the reason underpinning the ethos, and therefore would never itself seek to subvert the ethos. But that's what she's doing. Heimerdinger shook his head sadly. There was something tragic about him in that moment, something that Jace was only beginning to see. Admittedly, he could never truly understand Cecil Heimerdinger's perspective. The man was old, very old. He had seen terrible things, and it had softened his heart to the weakness of the world. 
It had also driven him to try his very best to leave a lasting legacy of peace and progress for that world. And now it was crumbling before him, his life's work, his legacy. It was all falling to pieces, because of the inherent flaws of mortal kind, and yes, Heimerdinger's flaws as well. She is doing as she promised, he said finally. Because the final caveat to that promise which I agreed to was that if Camille ever judged that the ethos had reached a point where it could no longer be applied, she would emerge to correct that herself. But we can still, we can still save this, Chase said. I'm not sure we can, my boy, Hamilton said quietly. I never said this, but I am grateful that you supplanted me on the council. It forced me to gain a new perspective, to see the slums of Zorn, and understand what my golden vision had wrought. The ethos has been broken for a very long time, and in a way, I wish Camille had not waited so long. She's going to start a war, Chase said. Heimerdinger shook his head. You never did spend any time in Zorn, did you? he asked. And Jace frowned and shook his head. Well, I advise you to do that sometime, or at least I would have done in the past. I'm afraid it's far too dangerous for someone like you to do so now. But to summarize the lesson you might have learned, to the people of Zorn, Piltover has always been at war with them. Say so this is really just us catching up. Nothing more. Jace slumped back and bowed his head while Heimerdinger poured him another cup of tea. So, Jace began, Camille's promise was to emerge only if the Council demonstrated gross negligence or incompetence, resulting in significant danger to Piltover itself. Yes, Hamidinger said. The dam. I would presume as much, yes, he replied. Shit. As I said, the ethos has been broken for a very long time, Heimerdinger said. I still believe in the ideals of progress, but Piltover must answer for its sins against Zon. Camille doesn't want to answer for any sins. She just wants to kill them, Chase said. That is one potential answer, I'm afraid, Heimerdinger said warmly. As I said, I no longer trust her because I do not think she is even alive anymore. Not in the sense that you and I are, anyway. I think she has given up too much in the pursuit of her logos, such that she has forsaken the ethos entirely. Like Victor, Jace murmured. Yes, Heimerdinger said sadly. Like poor Victor. What do I do? Heimerdinger gave him a thin smile, then shook his head and said, I could use a hand with some of these experiments, if you'd like, and maybe another cup of tea. Jace chuckled, then nodded. Another cup of tea sounds nice, he said. Hopefully I'll be able to keep up. Oh, my boy, keeping up has never been your problem, Heimerdinger said with a wry little laugh. Well, that much was certainly true. The text of this story is available on AO3. Music by Dot Matrix. If you would like me to record a story, voice over a character... Get in touch using the contact information available on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as a link to my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, 
Thank you for listening.